The voices spoke to him no longer. Kyle was not sure what was happening to him. He was not sure why he was still alive. It seemed wrong somehow. Once upon a time, he had known his purpose and gone about the work of it with joy in his heart. Not passion, perhaps. Passion was a human concern. But there had been in him a pleasing kind of satisfaction, born of intention manifested precisely as designed. He was made to make death, and he had fulfilled that destiny to a frankly excessive degree. He made the plane, he flew the plane, the plane poured fire onto the outliers. They had roasted in their own flesh. And there in the sky above the inferno, Kyle had known himself complete. He had seen no needing for a landing. Instead, he let the plane decide for itself where it wanted to go. The voices would return when they had need of him again. Or, if his task was truly over, they would reach into this world and will him away, away from this punishing solidity and into that realm of perfect madness where he knew he truly belonged. But the voices never returned, and his rescue never came. The longer the plane remained in the air, the more confused he became. Hadn't he done everything right? Wasn't his work supposed to be over? Hadn't he wrought a masterpiece of misery, the likes of which the Black Sun world had never known? There had been death. Sure, there had been death more than could ever be imagined, but he had brought a flavor of cruelty utterly foreign, utterly delicious. So where was his reward? He flew until he came within sight of a massive cliff wall. The controls wrenched from his hands and the ground filled the windshield. And yet, he remained alive. Why? It would be one thing if he was being kept alive for some purpose, some plan. If the voices bid him work, he would work until his fingers fell from his hands. No work called him to its doing. There was only life unending. These turning days that turned without conscience. It was all wrong. He was saved at last, not by any voice, but by the silent dark. The plane had crashed at the base of the cliff wall. With the gray slate sky running perpendicular, 
it resembled nothing so much as a lidded box with no interest in ever coming open. He spent his nights in the remains of the plane, watching the black sand below the metal frame shift as if he sat above the sea at midnight, riding the royal and coming to know every quake like he did each quiver of his own skin. There were caves carved into the sides of the cliff wall, and by day he slunk into the pregnant stillness and stole from them what he needed to survive. He found black pools of cool moisture and crawled to them on all fours and lapped up drops from the stones with his tongue. In the silent dark there crawled grubs and slugs and all manner of slimy things. He learned how to move softly, silently, so they would not be disturbed by him. Then he would snatch them with his quick and clever fingers and gulp them down. His gag reflex fought back the first few times, but was soon conquered. When he first noticed the slime all over the interior of his plane, he assumed it was just residue from his meals. And that must also be the reason his skin was so clammy, so sticky, so damp. In the silent dark, there is no sense of direction or space. He did not notice when he began to crawl on the sides of walls, on the ceilings. He went where tremors on his flesh told him food could be found, where moisture might be gained. He never saw a reflection, and so had no way of knowing the colors were draining out of his eyes. He slurped and licked up all his meals, so it did not occur to him to be concerned when his teeth began to fall from his mouth. His schedule adjusted to sleeping in the day and going into the caves at night. In the silent dark, there's no reason to notice or care that his skin had turned the same sickly shade of green as the slime that coated his entire body. He had no need of that hair that fell from his head, or the ears that shrank into his skull. He grew so accustomed to going on his belly and back that he took no notice when his arms withered, hands curling into skin tags dangling from what had once been shoulders. In the silent dark, there was so much to eat and drink. His plane remained where he could see it from the mouth of his cave, but he no longer felt the urge to step onto the sea again. Better the cold dark, solid all the way through. In those brief moments when he knew himself, Kyle could only view himself as having been rewarded. In the silent dark, he could be the outcast he had always felt. In the silent dark, he ruled over all the others just as ugly, just as weak, just as alone.
no longer dreamed. There were times, he supposed, when his body could be said to be asleep. When all systems ran still, and the beating of his cursed heart slowed to the steady tempo of a dripping somewhere deeper in the cavern, and his conscious thoughts sank free from his ruined body to mingle with stone and moss and earth. In this state, not waking, he traveled deep into the roots of the mountain, where Tangle lay the bones of the dead giants that had once walked this world. They had lain down to die before even the death god came and laid his claim over all. Their blood, the wellspring from which all manner of horror and wonder had sprung. As thought, not dreaming, his eyes could flip back through all the long forsaken years and see the myriad of squirming life straining to exist from within the blood of the great beasts as they lay slain upon the ground. Every drop of blood was its own life with its own destiny that could follow down the path as far as he pleased. All times overlaid each other as he slunk further into that pitch black realm he now called his own. The new dream was startling because it was, clearly, a dream. When his body slowed, light poured over him. Unlike actual light, it did not burn to be so exposed. And when he looked over himself, he was, once more, himself. Fingers, hair, legs, all that human garbage. He stepped, and the darkness around him swam into the shape of his old workshop. New old fingers reached out to caress the tools and the weapons he had crafted with those tools. Back when he had known who he was and what he was meant for. Before. He did not acknowledge the two strange men sitting there until he felt ready. It was his dream, after all. Finally, he sat down across from the pair. The big man with the bushy red beard and the smaller one, all pinched and pale. Kyle leaned forward and touched them with those old, new fingers of his. Punishing solidity met him. What is this? he asked. We want to speak with you, Kyle, the big red man said. I am Mr. Oakes, and this is my associate, Mr. Mayhew. The voice rang louder than voices were meant to ring. He had heard that tone before. Your gods, he said. Have you gone to take me home? The two men looked at each other. No, said Mr. Oakes. Then what use do I have for you? Kyle replied. Kyle, Mr. Oakes began. We are in the midst of a monumental undertaking. It is our plan to strike at the Death God, who has ruled this world for far too long. It is our intention to use your plane in this pursuit. Kyle shrugged. Have at it. Things just out there collecting sand and rust now. 
Mr. Oaks leaned forward. The axis of the dream seemed to tilt as if he was the moon and the room was a tide. Kyle, you could be an extraordinary help to us, to all your fellow survivors ready to make a stand. Whatever your past, you can still do a great good. That weight on your soul, it can be lifted. Kyle waited a moment, only to realize that the red man was actually serious. His laugh was long and shrill. He stood and walked on, not minding how the workshop stretched around him like an elastic, straining. Let him go, Mr. Mayhew said. We can still get through to him, Mr. Oak insisted. No, you can't, Mr. Mayhew said. You didn't want to be saved either, but I still saved you. I was lost in regret, Mr. Mayhew said. You found me, and you made me realize there was more that I could do with that regret. But this is different. Why? Mr. Oaks demanded. Mr. Mayhew nodded to the young man in motion, never getting any farther away. Because he doesn't regret anything. Mr. Oaks opened his mouth to argue further, but then he closed it. There wasn't him burning, always burning, the want to save everyone. But not everyone could be saved. He looked to that back, turned towards him, slouching off, and knew that there was nothing left to save. So Mr. Oaks released him. His stride slanted until he was horizontal and his steps were not steps at all, but the oozing surging of his better self. The dreaming had left him tired, so he reached out in his newer way, letting his flesh ripple over the flaws carved a few forevers ago into the living rock, letting them reveal all the captured echoes of lost yesterdays. The stones spoke of a garden. Outside the garden, terrible lizards with steps like thunder roared their rage at not being allowed entry. But the garden was not made for them. It was for the man and the woman. Each day the man sat at the edge of the garden and named each beast as it lumbered by. The woman named nothing. She stood at the border and looked out into the wilderness with eyes filled with longing. 
The stone spoke of the day the garden fell. Lines like scars held the screams of the man as the beasts surged in. They did not answer to the names he had tried to fix to them as he would a caller. The woman walked among them, of them, ate of the same meat that they devoured. And then, of them, among them, she walked past the overthrown garden barricade and out into the wilderness. Wherever she stepped, the sand turned black beneath her feet. He searched for her in the rest of the mountain's wounds. No trace remained. She had gone into the world, and gone she was. He considered going even further back, but then he considered what would be the point. The vanished past made no difference, and his knowing it afforded him no power, no usage. The world of the silent dark was all made up of secrets, every shadow stuffed full, never overflowing. There was no one to hide them from, no one to share them with, and so secrets had no value. And the truth was, he could admit to himself now, he did not really care. He had never really cared. It was far too much work to care. When it came to humans, he didn't know which came first, their fear or his disdain. Either way, it was merited. He found that he much preferred being an outcast. The only shame was that it had taken him so long to become who he had always meant to be. Ah, well. He had all the time in the world now. He slithered into the deepest pits of silent darkness and remained there, never to be seen again. Sometime later, the woman Cassandra came in sight of the cliffs. The way across the desert had been hard, but she had made it. The plain lay exactly where Mr. Oakes and Mr. Mayhew had shown her. All the same, she only had eyes for the cliff. It swelled as she approached. The misters had explained to her precisely how to get the plane back up in the air after she had found it. The task was arduous, but it could be done. Everyone was counting on her to get it done. All the same, she only had eyes for the cliff. In the weird light of the black suns, the cliff face rippled like a wave lit by the moon's soft glowing, like a field of jewels bending to the wind's whisper. Her eyes rose to conquer the full scope of the sight. A figure stood at the edge of the cliff, silhouetted against the gray slate sky. Cassandra walked past the oh-so-important plane and went straight to the cliff itself. There were holds and there were ledges where an exhausted lady could sit for a spell, or two, 
or three. From where she now stood, Cassandra could not see the silhouette that had stirred her so. Only the lip of the cliff itself and the sky that sealed it in tight. A lidded box as seen from the inside. Cassandra did not believe in boxes that could not be opened. She began to climb. Hi everyone, uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Black Sun Dispatches, and let me start off by saying my sincere apologies for this episode uh, being so long delayed uh, between the holidays and then just various uh, illnesses that took my voice away. I was not able to record uh, when I wanted to, so this took uh, a lot longer than I wanted it to take. Uh, but I'm back at it, and the plan is still to uh, crank on right through to the final episodes uh, so we can finish off this series uh, the way it's been meant to, to finish off. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Black Sun Show. You can follow me on Twitter at the true Brennan F. Uh, as always, please check out cinepunks.com for all the great writing, podcasts, and other content that we have there. It's all fantastic. Uh, and yeah, so uh, plan is to have a new episode every month until this is over. So check back in as we get closer and closer to the finish line. Thanks, everybody. And like I said, very sorry for the delay. Uh, hopefully that won't uh, happen again. Thanks, everybody. Bye.